Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Nice little touch. Why don't you stand with me, hold your Bibles, your iPads, your iPhones, whatever you have, hold it up, and those of you watching online right there in your pajamas in your living room, get out of bed, stand up, hold it. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's great to see all of you. Pastor Jesse tow it up last week. And uh, so grateful for him. I'm so grateful for all of you. And I want to take a moment, and uh, guys that behind the scenes get oftentimes overlooked. I don't want to do that. We got a guy back at the, the sound booth there, that Stuart, Mark Ryan, and then Jaden, who's a young man that got involved at, we were at Noah's. And how old are you, 15. I mean, they were here until 3 in the morning doing all this wonderful, beautiful stage design. Can you give them a hand, please? Thank you, guys. Um, so many things happen here in the children's area that, you, you know, people working there and serving, helping your children learn about Jesus. Uh, please love on them. Tell them thanks. Uh, be kind to them. Uh, it's important for us to love people who are... Uh, really just doing stuff behind the scenes that you know you never know about, never get thanks, never get applause, but I, I'm grateful for them. Otherwise, we would not exist today, and we would not be here if it wasn't for those of you serving. As Pastor Mark said, our servant leader banquet is coming up uh, December 1, and uh, it's a parable of the workers. And some of you say, well, you know, I'm not going to join because I'm, I'm doing it with the wrong motives. We'll, we'll take you with the wrong motives. Um, I'm just kidding. But, you know, signing up to serve right now, it would appear as though, you know, well, I, didn't, I don't want to come to the banquet or get a gift or anything. Look, read the Bible, Parable of the Workers. We want you to come. We want you to sign up. We want you to be a part of what God is doing here. So we begin the series on, on vision today. And vision is, uh, is, is oftentimes pastors will preach about it in January when kicking off the first year. We want to get a jump on things because uh, I believe you ought to be looking into to 20. 18 now, not waiting until January and go, hey, let's do a series on vision. No, let's do one now so that you can start looking ahead for tw- at 2018. Vision sometimes is difficult, vision of the soul. Uh, having a vision for what God has called us to have a vision for is often clouded by what we see with our natural eyes. Our natural sight, obviously, to a large degree, influences how we believe. When you see somebody do something, an act of kindness that you might not have cared too much for before, not that you hated them or disliked them necessarily, but you just weren't a fan. One such case for me, I'm, I'm a sports guy, <clears throat> and uh, I was watching, I'm not a, I'm, I'm, I don't say this to disparage anybody, I'm just, I'm a Thunder fan, so it's impossible to be a LeBron fan if you're a Thunder fan, uh, and, uh, but no, I think LeBron, you know, he, you might see the video of him to loving this kid, which was so moving to me. Every time ESPN shows this, uh, this, uh, this mentally handicapped, I, don't, I guess hope that's appropriate to say, but this young man just standing there, and LeBron goes over and addresses this kid in a loving way. Touched my heart uh, to see an act of love like that with my, my eyes. 
and it got into my soul, and I'll never forget it. And I'm thankful that he did that. It showed a lot of character and love on his part. So when LeBron's in town, if Cleveland's in town, show some love for LeBron, okay? That's just my LeBron pitch. And LeBron, if you're watching, and I know you are, you watch me every Sunday. Anyway, so uh, there, there's your love, okay? So anyway, turn your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 1. The challenge with vision is a couple things. One is when we see with our eyes, what we see with our eyes, it challenges what we believe in our heart. Uh, this is the reason terrorism is, is so powerful in a negative way is because we see it with our eyes and it affects our soul. Many people today, because of terrorism, have, this, um, have a difficult time believing that anything good in our world today, anything good is going to come out of our world today because there's so much bad happening around us that it's difficult for ha us to uh, have vision within us that drives us. And how many of you know that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So whatever is in your heart will eventually be lived out in your life, and uh, good or bad. So the goal is to design vision for your life and not let circumstances uh, do that to you. And instead, you need to drive your life, design your life from within. And in the book of Nehemiah, if you'll just flip there to chapter 1, in just a moment I will read it. The challenge is that things were not going well for Israel and the people of God at this time. And they're in captivity. And uh, it, was very, it would be very difficult when you look around and some of you, man, your vision is maybe, and, and don't take this wrong, but your vision is simply at the level of, of, of believing that maybe your rent will be paid this month. And I understand that difficulty. Been there, done that. And, you know, mortgage or, or your utilities and whatever. And it's really difficult because you see the bill. But then in the Bible, the Word of God says, He'll meet all of my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I have to get that in me in order to get this out of, of, of front of my eyes to believe that God will do what He says He will do. That is a challenge. And there's, I don't know if you realize, but when they say there's division in our home, division simply means division. That means you have two visions. And, and we have two visions. All of us do. We have the vision of what's going on with our natural eyes, and we have a vision of what's supposed to be going on with our spirit eyes. And a lot of people, religious people especially, will accuse you and us of being in denial about what's really going on. We're not in denial. I'm in faith. I see what's going on. Jesus said in the world, you have tribulation. Take courage, I've overcome the world. So the vision that comes by hearing God's word and confessing God's word will open and part the way for you to see what God is doing. I've had the good fortune of flying co-pilot quite a bit in planes. And the weirdest thing to me is when I first flew and in in, in was going into clouds, it always freaked me out. See, when it's, you're sitting in the side of the plane, you look out and, and you see it once you're in it. When you're sitting in the cockpit, you see it before it ever happens. And you're challenged to believe that there's not another plane at your altitude. Of course, it would be quick and I'm sure fairly painless. But in your mind, you're flying into these clouds and you're like going, man, I really hope this radar device, these avionics are working because... I don't see anything else in front of me. So there's a certain amount of faith to go through the cloud or get into the cloud and know that you're going to come out on the other side. And that's kind of like vision. 
is that with your natural eyes, you're led to believe this could be disastrous. I can't see what's in there. And you know what? Oftentimes you can't see with the eyes of your natural man what God is doing with spirit eyes. You can't see that. Uh, for instance, giving. When you give, uh, it's, sometimes it's a cloudy situation. You're just like going, I don't know how God's going to do this. And we don't know how God's going to do this. But we know that God is not a man that he should lie. So God will not lie. Proverbs 29, 18. I'll get to Nehemiah 1 in just a moment. Where there is no vision, my people perish. Or where there is no vision, the people perish. But he who keepeth the law, happy is he. Now in the NIV it says where there is no revelation. In other words, when you can't see something with your eyes, the eyes of your spirit, it's hard to believe it could ever come to pass. And, you know, for me... I will continue to tell the story of my life because I believe that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so for me, my testimony, when I think about vision, my whole world collapsed just over three years ago. And there wasn't much I could see except what was going on around me. I couldn't see a future. And it's exactly where the devil wants you to be is where you can't see any possibility of any good coming out of your crisis. And I'll never forget driving down I-35, being asked to leave my home and being asked to leave my church and being asked to leave the state, pretty much. <laughs> I'm driving down I-35, and I've got a 20-foot U-Haul. Now, first off, I don't know why there aren't moving companies that make better-looking vehicles. <laughs> There's just nothing attractive about moving vehicles. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, I, I would love to open a, a moving company that rented vehicles that had chrome rims really cool decals, something that said something other than, you haul it, you know, I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> you know, start a moving company, says, get her done. <laughs> Here I come. <laughs> and so I'm driving down I-35 and in a 20-foot U-Haul, and I'm over 50. Oh, I am. Okay, 55. Okay, 58. And when you got all this, you're like, I am how old and everything I own is in a 20-foot U-Haul? How many of you know that's not something to get out of the U-Haul and jump around and go glory be to God? <laughs> that is something that you, you got. With these eyes, everything with these eyes says, you suck. It's a proper use of the word and it's like I'm sitting there with these eyes going my life is over any of you ever been there but in here something in here I just had to go because it really wasn't true that everything I owned was in the back of a U-Haul that wasn't accurate now everything that was physical that I could touch was but but I had managed to invest and do some things. I had done those things. But it wasn't like, you know, but, but in that moment, all I could see was an ugly U-Haul moving van with clothing boxes, and I like clothes. I got some clothes up in here. So, <laughs> you know, get in touch with your feminine side. That's how I do it. Anyway, so <laughs> shop until you drop, baby. <laughs> Matter of fact, that's how I get my vision back. Look at, I think I'd look good in that, you know. It's the Red Bull kicking in at the wrong time, I promise. But, but you, it's hard sometimes to have vision 
uh, inside when there are so many things around you that you can't somehow reconcile the two. And it's just like God. Can you imagine Jesus on the earth, coming to earth, healing the sick, raising the dead, having followers, I mean thousands of people sitting on hillsides starving to hear words of hope from a man who is about to be crucified. And Jesus is hanging on the cross eventually, and I think inside him he's going, this is not how I saw it with these eyes or these eyes. But now I'm looking with these eyes going, this is not possible. How did this happen? And then he goes inside and he goes, oh yeah, this was the Father's plan. Or a part of the Father's plan. And he kept vision. And the vision carried him through the cross, into the tomb, into hell, where he led captives free. And he rose from the dead. Vision. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, the month of Kislev in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Now here's what's difficult about this is that, that what happened, kings would take, destroy cities, the Israelite cities, and they would only bring the, the people they felt like they were educated or they could educate that had some skills and giftings, and they would bring them in and they would treat them rather well, trying integrate them into their system while others uh, that were considered to be less than stayed back in the city that was dilapidated and that was that was destroyed and just in rubble and shambles and and so Nehemiah never lost heart never lost vision for where he was and for his people now today in today's world please please don't miss this the reason vision is absolutely critical is not just so you and I can live our lives out prosperous and filled with life. But vision for today is critical for the future of our children and grandchildren tomorrow. That we have to be able to tell them that we've had experiences with God, that things looked impossible. And there's that old saying, you'll never see the impossible unless you can first see the invisible. You have to see God working uh, to, to get you on the other side of that which seems impossible. Seeing a way where there doesn't seem to be a way with your natural eyes. Nehemiah is in captivity, but he's working for the king as a cupbearer. And what that really meant was that Nehemiah would taste all of the wine before it got to the king because not everybody liked the king. So, you know, as long as nobody put any poison there, Nehemiah, Nehemiah got himself a good job. <laughs> but every time he took a sip of wine going, I hope this is really good. If not, it's going to be my last shot. <laughs> but while he's in there, he's not just thinking about himself. He still has a vision of worshipers in Jerusalem in the holy city lifting up Jehovah God and believing that, that someday the glory of God would return to the people of God in the place of God as they took their position in God to give glory to the King of Kings. 
So when they come to him, he asks about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, those who were living in the, the city because he had a vision for the people of God. The only reason I really am overjoyed being back here because I've never seen anyone recover from what I've went through, what I've gone through. Now, when I say that, don't think about this egotistically. It's a shame. That great leaders of our day have disappeared as a result of human sin. All because they were in a little bit higher position in the world's eyes. That's all it is. Because in God's eyes, we're all the same. And I can say this today with a full, whole, happy heart. No bitterness, no malice. But let me just tell you something. It was never God's will for me to leave here. If it had been, he wouldn't have called me back here. And I don't want this church to prosper or reach the nations to prove anything to anybody that made those decisions to remove me. I say these words because of this. We missed an incredible opportunity to show the world the redemption of God because we didn't have a vision for a fallen leader. God's plans for Mark Crow never changed. God's plans for you will never change. So don't you ever lose vision because of your mistakes or your sin. Because the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. So when I talk about vision today, when I say what I'm saying, it is in no way to disparage anyone. I'm not mad at anyone. But I'm going to tell you something. When I saw with my natural eyes the decisions that I made that brought me to the place I was, nobody else is responsible for that but me. But as the body of Christ, we are our brother's keeper. And we are responsible to reach down to a fallen soul, a person who's lost sight of everything. And pick them up and speak life and vision into them. And say, this is not the end. It is not over for you. I know that God has a plan for your life. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And your future hope shall not be cut off. You have to keep vision. And because it's never been done before. From Ted Haggard to the list goes on of people who have fallen, who were great leaders. That the body of Christ had opportunity in that moment. Like Nehemiah had opportunity to go before the king and say, I see our city. And if you'll read chapter 2, it was out of our disobedience. And he included himself. But he said, Jerusalem must be rebuilt so that the world will see and the nations will see that our God is the only true God. And we are going to rebuild for the glory of God to show the world that God will not leave us. This is not in my notes. 
The only reason I can imagine I'm saying this is because God might want it said. I get tired of my own story. I get tired of saying the things I say, but I do know this. The only reason I want Mosaic Church to continue to open these curtains is because I want the world to see. God is a good God. And he never loses vision. We must never lose vision. We must never lose sight that there is always hope. In your deepest, darkest night when the soul of man is in rubbles and charred by the flames of hell that you and I realize, regardless of what those around us might say, the voice within us says, I will give you beauty for ashes. I will raise you up again to be a voice to the nations. Why? Because God must be glorified. God must be glorified. Critical people carry around clipboards to grade those around them. Critical thinkers carry around towels to help support those around them. We're critical thinkers. We're not critical of people. We're critical thinkers. And in this house... May God be glorified as he was when we read back in Nehemiah's hearing the stories of the ruins of Jerusalem. And he hears the story and he weeps, breaks his heart. He would go before the king every day, day after day, meal after meal. And one day this day, after he hears the report, he walks in and the king says, why are you so sad? He had never gone before the king sad before. A matter of fact, it wasn't even allowed. You don't carry your burden to the king. You're there to serve the king. How many of you know we like happy people around us? And if somebody around you is unhappy, don't criticize them. Don't get unhappy with them. Speak hope and life into their life. Say it's going to be okay. We're going to get on the other side of this. You're not going to carry this problem alone. I have vision for your life. I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for Pastor Rick. When I left and I'm driving down I-35, he said, you'll be back. And I said, no, I won't. I said, I'm not coming back. Nobody wants me back. Said, well, thank you very, little, very much. And he said, you're coming back. I said, I ain't never coming back. I'm done. I'm not mad. I'm not bitter. I'm just done. He said, you'll be back. I'm back. Why? What am I saying? Pastor Rick had a vision. He had a vision. When I didn't have vision, somebody else had vision. There may be somebody in your life that doesn't have vision. Maybe you're called to be their vision. To speak life into them and hope into them and say, I know, I'm going to tell you, I'm prophesying to you. No, sometimes you have to declare the Bible said, Paul said, I believe, therefore I spoke or I speak. We have to believe in here, have vision in here, and begin to declare that which we can't see with these eyes so that these eyes can see what these eyes are seeing. Yeah. Yeah. Nehemiah saw the walls rebuilt. He didn't see charred stones and rubble. He saw in his heart a place where God was once glorified, where God was once worshipped, where the people, the Jewish nation, the people of God were together standing for their God. If we trace this back to all of the kings, you'll see the failure of king after king after king in Israel. 
The failure of Saul to continue to recognize who appointed him king. The failure of David to look to Bathsheba instead of to God and being out in the battlefield. The list goes on. We love preaching those stories, but we don't love living them. Mosaic Church is going to live that story of redemption, of restoration, of a God who will not be mocked. You may be able to possess what someone else built, but you cannot possess the anointing God gave them. That made me think too. I'm not mad at anybody, but I am telling you this. Vision is very hard. You know why it's so very hard? Because the Bible says without it we perish. What do you think the devil wants from you? He wants your vision. He can't steal your salvation. But he can try to steal your hope and your vision. I've been through enough in my life to know the words spoken in this wonderful book. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. My God is that God. This is maybe the only church in the city where the pastor is more jacked up than all you. <laughs> Just is what it is, man. <laughs> I'm glad you do because I love you. It's just wonderful to know you are, and that in spite of your jacked upness, which I'm sure is no more a word than your muchness in Alice in Wonderland, (laughs) the devil's goal is to steal your muchness. I love all y'all so much, and I just have a vision for the house, have a vision for our city, have a vision for what God wants to do, and I'm happy about it. And, you know, I, I want us to love everybody. That's, that's the key through all the processes to love because here's the reality. God will be God at the end of the day. God will be God at the end of the journey. God will be God at the end of time. And Nehemiah knew that God had to be glorified. And I'm going to tell you, when I did come back, I really, first six months, I thought, okay, God, can I just fail real quick and get this over with? Because I'm really okay with that. No, no, listen, man. It's so wonderful to live life this way. It really is. When you're not hanging on to reputation, that, that went south. <laughs> and it didn't just go there for the winter. <laughs> it went there to stay. <laughs> Changed its mailing address. <laughs> but God didn't. God said, you know, this is where you are. See, see, some of you have just chosen to give up on the vision that you had as a kid. I was talking to a person last week. I was in San Jose, California, celebrating with a friend of mine at a church there. And I talked to this individual, and I, it was a, it was a, I have a real heart for young people. I was a youth pastor for so many years, and so I see somebody young. Young, how many of you know that 30s is young now? <laughs> And so when I see young people, I look and I go, you know, what, what, I think she was 20 something and, you know, it's in church. I was like, what, what, what did you want to be? What do you do? What is what I do? I said, what did, what did you dream of when you were a kid? And it was totally different than what she was doing. And I said, why don't you do it? She lost vision. She lost vision. 
Without it, we perish. You see, vision turns a funeral into a home going. Why? Because I'm going to see him again. Now it's not a loss. It's just they got a jump start and went in the fast lane. <laughs> People freak out when I tell them, I am not afraid to die. So if I die on your watch, don't come crying over me. You need to come being envious of me. <laughs> you say, well, that, that's just so wrong. No, I used to be scared to death of dying. I don't know about you, but I used to think about it all the time. You know, when you're young, it's the devil's terror. But now I just look, I'm going to live life. I'm going to live it to the full. I don't care. If you're having a conversation about me, your life really sucks. <laughs> you are the most bored individuals on earth. Did you hear about Mark Crow? Seriously? I am not that important. I mean, it's just seriously. I mean, we, we think about what you're talking about. Think about the words out of your mouth. Think about all the things going, that, that, that are going on in you, not all the things going on around you. There's vision. I have vision for this house. I have vision for it being full. Why? Because I feel like this is my Jerusalem that was burned and charred. And everybody said it will never be the same again. And God said, rebuild it for my glory. Rebuild it for my people. Make it a place of worship again. Don't you give up. I haven't given up. I haven't quit. Don't you think about it. I have more left and so do you. Don't you be talked out of what I died you into. Got to point one that I got to be done. <laughs> Page one. I'm, I'm about to close, but this is mosaic, so I get two on a good day, three. But this is number one, and I'm honestly going to let you out. I, I just, I don't know why this came out. Every sermon I preach is different, and you have to come to both to really get. Come on, all of you go to a restaurant, you get an appetizer and an entree. You miss the appetizer. There were different things. It was spicy. Anyway, so. Vision is what turned a pit into a platform. Can you imagine being Joseph? Joseph, his brothers hate him. Why did they hate Joseph? Because he shared his vision. He shared his vision. Joseph is just saying, look, this is what God showed me in a dream. And we could say, well, Joseph should have shut his mouth, but I think it was all a part of the plan of God for him to go from the pit to the prison to the palace. You can't get to the palace without fighting through the darkness of your life and keeping the vision because in that darkness and in that process, the character is built for you to rise up again and say, it doesn't matter where I've been or what I've done. It matters where I'm going and who I am becoming. Who are you becoming? You will become who you see yourself becoming in your soul before you ever become it. And there will be those that will give you ten good reasons that you shouldn't. But you know what they don't know is I got a hundred good ones why I should. There's no vodka in here. 
sure I'll get an email on that one. I just want to see if you're awake. I didn't hear any, so we're good. Because some of y'all are going, he acts this way with Red Bull only? I act this way without Red Bull. It's just enhanced. Vision is what turned a pit into Joseph's platform. Without the pit, without the vision, the pit would have taken him under. Without vision to believe that the word of God is true. You know how many days I wake up fighting demons? Look at what you did. You're a horrible human being. You're a terrible person. How could you possibly stand up and declare the glory of God? It's exactly why. It's the glory of God, not the glory of Mark. That's how I don't preach me. I preach him. Him crucified, raised from the dead in one day, going to the corral, saddling up the big white steed, putting on his sweatpants and his sweat top, Ridden on the leg, king of kings and lord of lords. To the snort of the horse, kicking his foot and its hoof saying, let's go get him. That's the God we serve. I have vision for that. And you know what? I promise you that I'm going to be going, I'm going to be flying up in the air right beside my haters going, hi there. Let's fly away, oh glory. <laughs> Didn't think I was going to be here, did ya? <laughs> For eternity. I'm sure some of them will go, I'm going to hell. <laughs> See ya. I just like to stay happy. Laughter is good medicine. In the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. I just, I just, just going to stay happy. But I have to overcome that every day. I remember the pit. I remember the darkness. I remember not remembering what day it was or the last time I took a shower. It was not a big deal. Nobody was around me. So surely I stinketh by now, but nobody knoweth. I remember those dark days, and I don't think I ever want to forget them. Because I see where I am now in the light of God. He never left me or forsook me. But my mind and my vision of my natural eyes said, you are done, son. But the son said, you are not done. You're not done, and God's not done with you. So don't you dare give up. Don't you quit seeing what you've seen your whole life, what you've wanted and desired in your soul. Don't you let anybody take that from you. If I had quit, I would have said God's not big enough to restore a fool like me. And I just don't believe that. I believe that Jesus paid the price for all seven billion fools on earth today. And we're never going, we're never going to be perfect. Glory to God. Don't ever think you are. You wake up in the morning, you have the same stinking breath everybody else does. <laughs> Green cloud hovering over your head. 
I just want you to know God's not done. God's going to turn your pit because of your vision into a platform for his glory. Think about the apostle Paul sitting in prison. If anybody had a right to look and say, I deserve being here. I was out punishing and killing followers of Christ. It was that God, the God I serve now, that looked at Paul who was standing there holding the coats as they were stoning Stephen. And Stephen, by the way, is the only person recorded history that got a standing ovation from Jesus. Read it. And Paul is standing there endorsing the murder of someone that Jesus is standing up for and saying, come on home, son. That same Paul is blinded on the road to Damascus, sitting in the darkness, realizing he can't see physically. But something inside me tells me something happened in here. It's what's happening in here that will give sight to what's going on out here. In prison, in chains, Paul began to praise God. He began to worship. And all of a sudden, there's a quake. The chains and the stocks and the bonds break off. And in that day, if you were a guard of the prison and the prisoner got free, you were killed. And Paul has to shout out to those who had guarded him. It's okay. We're still here. We're not going anywhere. Why? Vision keeps us from running in fear. Holds us to our place knowing this is the place God has put us. This is where God's put Mark Crow. I didn't ask to be here. Trust me. But I know why God put me here. You can criticize me. You can critique me. You can do whatever. I've had people say you should never preach again. I don't think I ever should have preached in the first place. But for some reason, God said I should. And he said it again and again and again. Do you think it's possible for you to out the grace of God? When the Bible says where sin abounds, grace does more abound. Let me know how that works for you. Because it won't. You keep getting back up. Because you have a vision inside you that says, I refuse to take the life that I gave to God back and start making my own decisions. I don't deserve to be standing here. I have never deserved to be standing on a stage proclaiming his word. But it's not about what we deserve. It's about a grace that looks beyond what we deserve and says, I love you so much that I'm going to send my son to redeem you, to buy you back, to restore you, to place hope in a place where there's been hopelessness, light shining in your darkness, peace in the midst of your chaos if you'll keep your mind on me. Don't quit. Vision is important, and the reason church is so important is faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Vision takes ashes and turns them into beauty. He will give you beauty for ashes. All I did driving down I-35 a couple years ago. I said, God, here it is. 
I'm over 59. I'm getting closer to honest as the service goes on. Give me time. Who knows, by 12.30 I might be 72. And you look at me and go, you look really good. That's what I'm doing now. I'm just telling people I'm 80 and they go, you look really good for your age. It's encouraging. It really is. Don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. Nehemiah went before the king humbly, honestly, with a broken heart. And the king gave him a letter and said, go rebuild your city. Jesus the king is saying to you today, I want you to rebuild your life. I want you to have a vision for your family, for your home, for your business, for your kids, for your grandkids. And the vision we possess today will paint the picture of a future tomorrow for our kids. Make God a part of your everyday life. And make church a part of your every week. Folks, let me tell you something. This is, this is, this is stuff when you come here. I promise you, we'll build you up. We will not tear you down. We'll bring hope in the place of your hopelessness, light into your darkness. And you can say whatever you want to say, but we're not going to quit believing. Get around people who feed you. Get around people who stir up vision in you. Nothing is impossible with God. Father, thank you for this wonderful group of people. Thank you, Lord, that we're going to be a people of vision because we will not be a people that perishes. So, Lord, I pray for this house, these watching online, these in this house. God, that you would, uh, you would stir hearts today. We would begin to live life through the eyes of our spirit, not through the eyes of our flesh. May we align ourselves with those who will be critical thinkers, not critical people. God, we need to be surrounded with people who will sharpen us. Lord, that encourage us to look at Look at our salvation instead of our sin, our future instead of our failures. Speak life into that which died. With every head bowed and every eye closed, those of you in here and those of you watching online, the Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the minute you call on the name of the Lord and you become a follower of Christ, there will be critics that will begin to measure your behavior instead of your response to God's behavior by sending His Son. I'd love to tell you that today, as you call on the name of the Lord, that all of your problems are over. They're not. They're going to be the same problems, but now you will have the power to address those problems. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. And maybe those of you in here that say, you know, Mark, I've not made that decision, but I want to today. I want to ask you just with heads bowed and eyes closed, just lift your hand up. Say, I have not made that decision, but today I'm going to. Would you just slip your hand up real quickly and put it right back down? Say, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. This is a critical day, okay? Let's all pray this prayer. And those who are watching online, let's pray this. Say, Father God, today I realize I need a Savior. And today I call on the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. And I repent of my sin, and I give you my life. Amen.